1: You know what if you would have had gummy bears yeah. that leaf that those branches might not have been there
2: yeah it's i'm, I'm good i'm good i'm golden yeah sure
1: yeah uh well my first shelter was it was seven pounds
2: right you know you watch those videos and yeah the guy, 15 minutes a guy shoots a giant buck or
1: you know a... uh just like a diff, just a different experience i think a lot i think a lot of the years i had hunting with my dad growing up we we had some unfortunate experiences with Other hunters. A little tired
2: and sore this morning, licking my wounds from yesterday. But Um,
1: you know, I'd rather go backpack, you know, five miles in somewhere and hunt three bears than hunt 20 bears close to the road.
2: I better have some gummy bears in my pocket. That's for sure.
1: I don't get gummy bears, gummy bears, and coffee and.
2: thanks everyone for tuning into the focus hunting podcast brought to you by the waypoint outdoor collective for more information on waypoint head on over to www.waypointtv.com see what they got going on over there okay in this episode i'm joined by my uh, new pal josh Kirchner. um some of you might know him as the dialed in hunter josh he's just uh he's a straight beauty he's uh an author avid hunter and uh you know he's had tons of success in the backcountry. so um really enjoyed this conversation with josh him and i discuss his book uh becoming a backpack hunter which is a great book you guys can head on over to amazon pick up a copy of that we talk a lot about black bear hunting Um, we also talk about archery training and uh and what to bring on a three-day backpack hunt so uh, i think you guys are gonna really like this episode Uh, For more information on Josh, head on over to his webpage, it's uh, dialedinhunter.com. Okay, quickly, before we get into the show, and with only two more months until Elk Opens, I want to remind you guys about Elk 101. Now, I don't care if you've guys bagged Elk in the past, or if you're still looking to tag your first. um, This course has information available for for pretty much everyone. Uh, So, go over there, check out what corey has got going on, and... uh, I guarantee you're gonna take something away from it and be able to use it in the field. So uh, while you're there, make sure you use the promo code FOCUS. You guys are gonna get 20% off. Um, Yeah, it's got great stuff over there. Anyway, let's just get rolling with this episode.
1: Hey, what's up, man?
2: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, sorry for the delay.
2: It's all good, buddy. I got a... Yeah,
1: I just got like a new laptop and I was like, oh sweet, I can gonna use this for this Zoom call. And I didn't even realize I didn't have Zoom installed. It's all good, buddy. It happens. Yeah. How are you?
2: Good, man. A little, uh, a little tired and sore this morning. Licking my wounds from yesterday, but...
1: Yeah. You, so, you, you, miss, you if I remember correctly, you said you, you missed. You misjudged the yardage or what, what happened?
2: Uh, well, so, I decided to go out early yesterday morning and see if I can fill tag number two for Black Bear. Um, about, uh, man, what was it? About nine... 9:30, I got uh, found a nice size, nice size bear and waited him out a bit, and then he came in, got him into about 55 yards, and um, there was a, I was behind a tree and I was waiting for him to walk out from these other trees, and uh, I couldn't get a clear shot of him, so I moved a bit, and then in the line of sight there was a, there was a one branch sticking out it had some leaves off it. Mm-hmm. and I just misjudged my arrow path. I stood up, and I was like, I seen it there, and I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. Drew back, stepped forward. I got a shot on him. He ran off, and, you know, my eyes were focusing on where he was running, and then I, I looked back up, and I could see that branch moving up and down. Yeah. And then I just had a bad feeling in my stomach. So gave it a sec, walked back over to where he was, found my arrow, no blood on the fletchings, but I found a little bit of blood right where he was standing. Sure. So, yeah, I, uh, I was like, Oh shit. So I backed out of there for a bit, went, uh, went and sat down, had some water, grabbed a quick bite, gave him a little bit. And then, uh, I went after him and found a little bit of blood and I tracked him for, man, I don't know, about five hours, but there wasn't a lot of blood. And, um, yeah, it was just uh, I just the arrow must have went high, and just just caught him on the
1: back. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's I've done the same thing. <laughs> you know, you find the I think you hit him, and then find the arrow, and it's like, damn it, <laughs> you know. Like there's there's like not a lot of blood on it. You just kind of a telltale sign. It was a backstrap hit, pretty much.
2: Uh, and you know, I know better than that. Like you know, I practice arrow path, sure. you know, all that stuff, and I just. I I and I seen the branch there, and I was like, oh man. Uh, so I kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll crunch down, crunch down a bit, and then it, you know, it wasn't a very good, wasn't a very good shot. So I just crouched up a bit, and I was like, uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm good, I'm good, I'm golden. Yeah, sure yeah. Like I said, and I could see him run off, and then my eyes just focused on that branch, and that branch is moving up and down. And I was just like, that, you know, you get that gut wrenching feeling, like oh shit. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, he, he ran quite a bit. And, you know, I'm pretty confident that he lived. And unfortunately, today it's raining, so I can't even go double back. It's going to be pretty tough. But, uh, yeah, he, he ran for quite a bit. And by the end, I didn't even see any uh, any blood. But, I, you know, on those grassy hills, you know, it's like you can get those bears. And if you get the right light, it's almost like a yellow brick road. You can see where they ran off through the bush. So. Mm-hmm. Tracked that for the last little bit and didn't see any blood, so I'm pretty, you know, I think it was just really high.
1: They're tough, man. Are, are you think? You, how long is your season? Are you gonna get back out or?
2: Yeah, our season. So we have a spring season and a fall season. So we have uh, April 1st to June 30th. We can <laughs> we can hunt black bear and then uh, again September 1st to the end of November. So and we're allowed two black right. bears. So yeah, oh, we're yeah. we're pretty uh, we're pretty liberal with our seasons up here in British Columbia
1: oh you guys are drowning in bears aren't you
2: yeah man we got a lot of bears for sure i think we've got more bears than we got people
1: i i was talking to a friend um he had someone on his podcast and the guy was telling him that uh he totally stopped hunting bears with a rifle up there in british columbia because it was too easy (laughs) yeah and he just like hunts them with a bow now because there's so many damn bears
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) There's a lot of bears. You get into some areas, man, and it's you know, it's crazy. And uh you know, a few years back they they canceled the the grizzly bear hunt on us up here and uh yep, you know, we've just we've seen lately we've seen a lot more bears. I think that's just because the grizzlies are pushing them pushing them out a bit closer to uh where they're easier to get to. But we got a lot of bears, no shortage of bears up here.
1: Is it do you do you have a lot of hunting pressure up there or no?
2: Um you know, I don't think we get a lot of guys out spring bear hunting. Uh, gotcha. It's it's tough. I mean, I know a lot of people who buy bear tags and they buy it just to have in their pocket, just in case they come across a bear, right? But that's more typically for in the fall. Yep. So um, it's hard to say, but I like getting out after them in the spring. I I don't hunt them in the fall. There's just, you know, too much else going on. So I like to- i
1: i that's i was that was my bread and butter when I first started bear hunting because fall bear hunting down here is much more popular than spring bear hunting um I mean for the longest time spring bear hunting the spring season was looked at as a uh just like a ploy for game and fish to get more money from us um and i didn't I never even knew anyone that was successful spring bear hunting ever um and but then in the fall like we have that we you know we have the phenomena the bear the bears and the pears thing that happens where they come down like on a dry year they'll come down into the desert and they'll feed on prickly pear cactuses so like that's always been a lot more appealing and people come from all over the country to try to experience that so the spring thing has flown under the radar for quite a bit but i think it's finally i think it's kind of catching on now i'm seeing more and more people out there spring hunting yeah it's
2: definitely I like it it just uh I, I first started bear hunting because it just broke up the you know the daunting long winter and spring and you didn't have to wait as nearly as long to till se- for September to run around and then mm-hmm. I just started loving it you know what I mean like I love bear hunting it's just one of those things you know I started out earlier when I was you know and I loved turkey hunting and you know loved getting out there and then I you know But now it's you know I'm kind of the opposite. I would rather chase bear than chase those turkeys. I don't know. Oh yeah, me too, man. (laughs) Now you're you're down in Arizona, is that right? Yeah. Now you have you guys have black bear down in Arizona? Oh yeah. No
1: shit, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We have. uh, I mean, we're not desert bears. We're we're not drowning in bears like y'all are up there in British Columbia. But like, I think our bear population sits around last I checked, like right around like 3,000 or so. I I think there's probably more than that. The the issue is it's just so damn hard to, it's so damn hard to count bears for the game and fish because they don't fly them. You know, they don't fly for them like they do for deer and elk. And the bears are just so hard to see. They're in these, like a lot of them are in these nasty holes that, you you know, you don't even know they're there anyway. So um, I think there's more than that. But yeah, that's the, that's the quoted number that Gets put in magazines and stuff is three thousand for Arizona.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to count bears. I mean, up here they they have rough estimates, and I think they they estimate around hundred and sixty or hundred and eighty thousand black bears. But um, yeah, there's uh, I just I don't see how they could count them. I mean, like you, you look at British Columbia, and it's all not a lot of open spaces in British Columbia and to get an actual you know accurate count. I I don't know, man. We have a lot of bears.
1: Yeah, no, I got to get up there one day, man. Uh... Try to try to hunt some of those bears up there. I went to I went to Idaho for the first time this year. And that was that was really cool. Um definitely gonna plan on doing that. But yeah, I've always been used to um I'm not used to plethora of bears. So will work. I mean, goodness gracious. If I go out for three, four days and I see one or two bears, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked.
2: Yeah, and see up here, I mean, you can see 10, 12 bears a day and you really get, uh, you really get the pick or the litter with which ones you want up here, but <laughs> I mean, we're pretty, We're I mean, in general, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty spoiled in British Columbia, just so, you know, the game in general, but.
1: That sounds like Disneyland to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what kind of, like, what methods of, of hunting are you doing down there for black bear?
1: The, so, um, baiting is, is illegal. You can't yep. bait down here uh hounds are legal so a lot of guys will like to run hounds you're not allowed to do that in the springtime though that's only a fall thing oh yeah um so for me personally what i what i it's largely spot and stock hunting ambush hunting over water or calling is 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 how how yeah. primary hunt bears here yeah
2: yeah those are basically yeah, the same methods i use it we're the, we're the same you can't you're not allowed to bait. You're not allowed to use electric calls. You can use, you know, a voice call, but uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of spot and stock. Um, still hunting, you know, uh, that works pretty good just because again, you know, if you walk down at, you know, any old forestry service road or any old logging road or even a trailhead, I mean, you know, there's a good chance you're going to come up on uh, one or two bears for sure. But that just goes back to, you know, the abundance of bears we have up here.
1: Yeah, yeah cool That's man. Awesome,
2: man yeah so uh well maybe uh you know i got a list of questions here for you so maybe we'll just get uh, get rolling and uh you know i usually start off with uh you know getting you to tell everybody where we're where you're hitting you up from today but uh we kind of already went over that you're from uh arizona but uh mm-hmm. you started out your early life on the east coast didn't
1: you yeah 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 i was Well, so, so I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't really remember that part of my life. I was only there for about a year. And then we moved out to New York, uh, for the next eight years. And my dad kind of, you know, we, we did a lot of fishing out there in the ocean and, uh, he always had hunting magazines and stuff like that, like showed Western hunting. And so it was always kind of a fantasy of mine to get out there, you know? Um, and, it just so happened my mom's family lives in Arizona. So in order to, you know, bring me into like a better environment for an upbringing, because New York is not the greatest. <laughs> New York is not the greatest place to raise a child. This just especially where we were. We were in Queens. So it's not, uh, you know, uh,
2: sorry to interrupt you, man. I can't even like there's more people in New York than there is in our country. And our country's bigger than you. So it's like, it blows me away. The amount of people there just put that in perspective. Eh? It's
1: crazy. Oh, Oh yeah, dude. It's, it's wild. And there's some, I mean, it's crazy too. You know, it's like, a see some wild stuff in New York. So my dad grew up there and he, you know, he grew up a wild cat. Um, so he could kind of see the future, you know, like if they brought me up there, I was probably going to go down the same path, you know, so moved out West to Arizona when I was uh, nine like almost nine. And I've been here ever since. I'm 35 years old now. Goodness.
2: Wow. Cool. So, um, what was your first impressions of your new home at the time? Or do you, can you remember back that far?
1: Oh, dude, my first impressions was I couldn't believe how nice everyone was. Yeah. Like in, out of the big in, city. Yeah, dude. In Arizona, everyone was like saying hi and stuff. I'm like, it's almost off putting to me. Cause I just wasn't used to that. Like used to people being like, just kind of mad at the world and standoffish, which is how New York primarily is, (laughs) at least my experience. But out here in Arizona, man, yeah, everyone was super nice. And and I couldn't believe um, another thing, like when I moved out here, I I had never seen a mountain before. So like we're driving down the highway, like got off it, got off the plane, get into a vehicle and immediately there's mountains surrounding the valley and uh that was just really cool for me man i'm like holy crap i'm in the wild west now you know like it was it was a completely different world from what what i was used to and i i think from a pretty early age i decided um i'm like i never want to leave this place you know just just it seems perfect to me
2: yeah no doubt it's uh i've never been down there but um seems like a cool place i'd love to go down there and chase some desert muleys
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the December and January hunts down here are, are really
2: fun, man. When they're I bet. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, our December and January hunts are, you know, for cougars and wolves and are six or seven feet of snow, you're snowshoeing through. So um, yeah, it, it'd be pretty cool for sure. So you mentioned you guys uh, or your, your dad, he was, uh, did a bit of fishing in that out uh, back East. How did, uh, how did you get into hunting?
1: Well, my dad, like my dad, um, So he got me into fishing when I was younger, but he did a fair amount of hunting before I was born um, out in New Mexico and then uh, in New York as well. Um, So he was he was always into hunting, but we just never like he never went hunting when I was a kid while we were living in New York. So it was never something I was exposed to. So when we when we went out to Arizona, uh, that was one of the first things on his to do list was like he put in for I I think it was a rifle uh, rifle mule deer hunt and got drawn and so when i was eight and a half we that like that fall we went on our first hunt in arizona which which happened to be my first camping trip too like i had never slept out in a tent before nothing like that so it was all super new to me uh cold you know um some elk came through camp the first night we were there you know yeah no no hey listen listen cold for me cold for me is different than you okay (laughs) <laughs> okay um so so it was yeah it was cool man uh, and then my dad ended up taking me out showed me some deer and stuff and and that was you know i've kind of lived lived that life ever since i was a kid you know and uh and then when i got um but right then though it was just really like a once a year thing like it was only like you know your yep. annual deer camp um and then, uh, when I got older, you know, like mid twenties ish, I was like, man, I just really want to do a lot more of this, you know, and like being a little bit more independent have a vehicle, you can go do stuff, you know, more on your own. And, uh, then I just got dove in man, head first. And I, I I've never come out. <laughs> like, So hunting is definitely become, that's like my thing.
2: Yeah. Um, you're primarily an archer. And you just mentioned that your dad—he uh, was a rifle hunter. Did he do both, or was he just primarily a rifle hunter?
1: Yeah. So he's my dad. My dad and my dad and I are kind of opposite on that. Like he's primarily a rifle hunter, and he kind of uses archery as just an opportunity if he doesn't get a rifle tag. <laughs> um, I am the exact opposite. I every tag I put in for is is all archery hunts and over-the-counter hunts I do, most of them I do with a bow, um, the only time I ever, like, really even consider picking up a rifle is for bear season out here, and I think that really boils down to what, what I was telling you about earlier, is just, like, the number of bears, um, sometimes it's pretty hard just to turn up one, you know, so, and I love bear meat, you know what I mean, so, um, as far as opportunity goes yeah sometimes i'll do that with a rifle instead of a bow but that yeah mainly a bow hunter though man yeah
2: so what got you into
1: archery um my you know, my dad he did he, he brought a bow home um one day and i remember it was like probably as heavy It felt like it was as heavy as a cinder block back then it looked like something not a rambo um And uh, shot the bow. And just like that first time I shot it, I was just completely captivated by it. Um, You know, flight of the arrow, that whole deal. And um, yeah, just really got into shooting a bow. And then my dad ended up getting a new one. And uh, I got handed down that that relic of a bow that I first shot and uh, went on my first deer hunt with it. And the amount of deer that we saw on that hunt, it particularly bucks, just like completely stomped any rifle hunt we've ever been on. So, to me, I was like, man, because we can hunt them during the rut with a bow down here.
2: Yeah, right. So, it's just so, basically. So, yeah, I mean, like, see up here, we have a very short archery season, which is September 1st to September 9th. And then the rest is rifle. And, it, you know, for whitetail deer, oh, wow. it's open till the end of November so you know like I was saying we have a very liberal hunting season up here so but uh yeah I know down there you guys have different it's, you know it's quite it's a lot more complicated in terms of what seasons you can hunt with what
1: yeah yeah so so because of that because you know I was like man this is a great you know though it's over the counter tag see a bunch of bucks and uh kind of got out of it a little bit when I got you know into my early teens um and just kind of rifle hunter with my dad each year but then when i got older i had a buddy get into bow hunting like real real heavily and it was kind of this like this oh sweet i, I i've done that before you know so because of him i started doing it a lot more and ever since then bow hunting just just like you know this the, even if i didn't get anything the experiences i had bow hunting uh completely outweighed any type of rifle hunt i had ever been on in terms of like you know having like an intimate experience with animals and stuff and just like these cool things that happen whenever you have a bow in your hand. So I've been yeah, I've been hooked to the bow pretty hard uh ever since then.
2: Yeah. The stuff you have to go through when you're archery hunting is so much different than than uh rifle hunting. It definitely, you know, tunes your or hones your skills a lot more as a hunter, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. And there's so much you know the old you know that would you know the saying the um where the rifle hunt ends, the bow hunt begins, that uh, type of thing. Uh, I think there's so much to be said for that because early on, um, when I fir- so when I first started bear hunting actually, uh, you know, I hunted really hard all fall, but when it all came together, it came together in about 30 minutes. Like I got to my glassing spot, looked down, there was a bear, boom, done. And, uh, that I value that experience a lot. That's like, that was a catalyst for me for, for, you know, my love for bear hunting, but, um, you know, fast forward and your mind starts to wonder, you know, it's like, well, what would have happened if I would have had a bow in that situation? And so a couple, a couple of years ago, a hunt that comes to mind is, I spotted a bear about a thousand yards out at last light feeding on prickly pears um, and had my bow with me. And I was like, well, you know, gonna, gonna go make a run at him. Had, had only about, you know, 30, 45 minutes left of, of, uh, shooting light and, uh, got over there and the bear long story short, the bear ended up passing me as I was heading his way. And I saw him running up the opposite, not running. He was just walking up the opposite hill from me, 350 yards away. Um, and I was like, well, you're not going to, I'm not going to catch up to a bear walking away from me. So I got my call out and I started squawking on that thing. And in about a minute, that bear was at 40 yards down beneath me. And, um, unfortunately the wind, he caught my wind and he ran off. Okay. But like that right there, if I would have had a rifle, that bear would have been done, you know, right, right then and there across the hill from me. But because I had to bow with me, I get this like super cool experience, even if I didn't shoot, you know, and it's just like fueled my passion for not, not only bear hunting, but just bow hunting. Just, just, there's like a lot of instances like that throughout someone archery hunting.
2: You said they're eating on prickly pears?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they'll, so we have a, so a prickly pear cactus uh, during the, the early fall, like uh, mid-August to early September, it's all elevation dependent, moisture dependent, but um the, it fruits a uh like a berry, uh which is pretty oh, okay. big. Some, yeah, some of them can get pretty big. Um, like picture like a uh just like a like a like a strawberry on steroids with spines on it. Yeah, yeah those things,
2: eh? Crazy.
1: Oh yeah. They're dude, they're they're actually really good. Like my wife and I will go out oftentimes in the fall and go pick them off the cactus with tongs. And then we'll bring them home, burn off the spines on the outside of it. And then she'll make a, like a jelly out of the fruit. And it so, sounds good. Oh yeah. No, it's great, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hard on the inside of your mouth though, if you're eating it right off the, right off yeah, the those cactus.
1: Ba- yeah. Those bears are tough, man. Oh yeah.
2: They're <laughs> tough, man. Yeah. Wow. They're crazy tough. So you're uh you're a, you're a backpack hunter now. What triggered you to become a backpack hunter?
1: Um, man, uh, just like a diff, just a different experience. I think a lot, I think a lot of the years I had hunting with my dad growing up, we, we had some unfortunate experiences with other hunters. You know, um, I remember one time in particular, I was, I think I was like 11 or something. We had this buck. you know, it was opening day. Um, Day, day before opening day, we found this buck. It was a little forky. You know what I mean? It would have been my first deer. And, um, we're like all excited to get in there the next day for the opener and got in there, you know, did everything right. There's a trail down beneath like an ATV trail and hear this vehicle, you know, coming down in the trail and it stops. And then you hear a gunshot. Um, And I was just like, as a kid, I was just crushed. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I was like, dang it. That was going to be my first deer, you know? And then, so there's a bunch of stuff like that that happened when I was a kid and it just backpack hunting, backpack hunting aside, I just wanted to try to get further and further away from roads. And the further I got away from roads, the more it made sense to sleep back there instead of walking all these miles every day. So, um, that's kind of what led me to it, man. I just, you know, and I read some books on it and just like reading about people's adventures. And I'm like, man, I want to try to do that. So so, uh, backpack hunting, I was like, man, and that's something I could do with my wife. Um, I could use backpacking as something to do with my wife and I could just bring my binoculars along the way um, and get like a little bit of a scouting trip in while yep. I was out there backpacking with my wife you know smart man smart um, and then so then when season would come I just you know well this time I'm gonna bring my bow in there where I took my wife you know yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how that's kind of how I got into it and I remember um, this is my first backpack kind of ever uh, backpack was way too heavy you know like left the truck and in about five minutes I was like man how can I get this thing lighter you know what I mean like just took the kitchen sink with me and uh, got back in there, but the first morning I remember the first morning I ever woke up in the backcountry, I opened the tent up and it was just like what, what a front porch you know what I mean like I was camped up on top of this big Mesa had snow-capped peaks around me. um sun is like just coming up over the horizon and there's a basin behind me loaded with rutting coos bucks and i had to walk a whopping 100 yards to get to my glassing spot you know so so that right there i was like man i i got to do this as much as i can you know so for me along with you know how bull hunting has been this thing that's you know you're successful but it's also just a really cool experience that's kind of how backpack hunting is to me it's not just hunting it's just a whole thing you know you get you get everything with it, just like living wild living in the dirt and then you're trying to bring you know you're trying to fill a tag all at the same time so kind of like the 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 full the full experience with that
2: yeah it's not just the added benefit of you know um, getting away from hunting pressure you know it's the like you said, you wake up and you're out in the woods and there's nothing, there's nobody around. It's uh, it's, it's something else. And, and once you get over that initial fear or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the uncomfortability and of actually sleeping out in the bush and, you know, you're kind of vul- vulnerable and exposed out there. Once you get over that. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard to beat, man.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing like it. You know, I have, um, I have a buddy that super new, you know, to back the backcountry hunting thing. And he, he just wanted to come along, you know, a couple of years back, we backpacked into an area for bears and he didn't even bring a weapon with him. you know, and he just wanted to experience it. And he, he came out of that just like with the biggest smile ever, you know, and we didn't even see a bear, you know, <laughs> like it was, so just the whole grind of it, you know, all of it you know cooking food out there sleeping it is it is the the purest form of quiet that there is um and uh it's i mean it's addicting it's definitely not for everybody but for the people that it is for i feel like we love it to the fullest
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's uh, it's not for everybody and um you know it's it's there. a lot goes into it and you gotta you know mentally and physically you know you know it's grueling but uh you mm-hmm. know what's the biggest thing i think is is getting comfortable being uncomfortable? and I know people have probably heard that saying a lot, but it's it's definitely true. Once you're comfortable, being uncomfortable out in the back country, um, you know it's it's definitely addicting.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and it's not, like not just like the whole mental side of things, you know being back there and kind of your 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 mind is your own worst enemy you know, and you come up with all these crazy scenarios in your head that are really in all reality, they're quite irrational. But, um, aside from that though, like there's a lot easier ways to hunt. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you, you put yourself through, through hell trying to get into some of these areas, you know, and you, so sometimes, you know, you start to question, like, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> like, Um, but uh once you get back there and you start seeing stuff and and just start trying to go through the motions it's, it it becomes quite evident why why you're doing it you know i have um i've been made fun of before in the past because i've told people um you know i'd rather go backpack you know five miles in somewhere and hunt three bears than hunt 20 bears close to the road mm-hmm. you know it's just just kind of not just that's my bag you know what i mean that's kind of what i'm after so
2: yeah definitely man now now most people know you as uh dialed in hunter maybe yeah. you can uh explain that for us a little bit
1: uh the name or kind of or just kind of well, how that all
2: started. yeah well, okay well the name how did uh how did uh maybe how and when did that all come about you know dialed in yeah hunter? yeah
1: so uh I don't I don't think I've ever talked about this um the, the reason it's called dialed in hunter uh so I was in a band I played music all through my childhood pretty much from the time I was 12 until I was 24. Um, did the whole, you know, touring thing and, uh, you know, living in a van stuff like that. It was, it was a, it was a good time. What's the name of the um, band? Uh, That band was called Red Sun. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like punk hardcore stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, we had a song called Dialed In and it was about like getting, instead of, you know, it was like, living on the frequency of love rather than hate. So when I stopped playing music, that was a big deal to me. You know, I was like, I didn't have an outlet anymore. And um, soon after that, I, I was like, man, I wonder if I, should, I I think I might start writing about these hunting adventures and stuff. Cause every time I'd come back from hunts, everyone were gonna go, they wanna go have coffee with me and they wanna hear the story and stuff like that. I'm like, maybe I can just like put it all in one place while documenting my kind of journey of like really diving into hunting and maybe that can provide some other newer hunter some some good perspective you know and like being truly like being truthful about things because at the time I think it's gotten a lot better but at the time hunting media you you really get this like uh you know particularly on like you know like tv you really get these like highlight reel it's
2: distorted that's the hard thing right you know you watch those videos and yeah 15 minutes a guy shoots a giant buck or you know a elk and you're like oh okay well that can do and if you're not yeah exactly and if you're not or you're new to hunting then yeah it's it's uh...
1: yeah so like you 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 get out there and you're like well am i the worst hunter there is you know what i mean like what am i doing wrong it's like the fact of the matter is no you're not you're probably not doing anything wrong uh hunting is just hard You know, so I wanted to be really open with all that, like talk about all my failures as well as like the small bits of positive reinforcement that I had throughout that those experiences, whether it was like, oh, I I actually found a bear or maybe I missed, missed a bear. And to me, like you do that, it's like, man, you missed that means you can do it right because now you're only talking about inches It is a matter of inches of you actually succeeding and not succeeding so. By putting all that out there, I thought it would be kind of a good resource and kind of a way for me to like, uh, you know, work out my own stuff, you know, like it was, it was like a new outlet for me. So transitioning from music to that, I kind of, I, kn- I didn't want to forget about my past, you know, so I created the name Dialed and Hunter based off of that song I mentioned when I was a kid. It, it, and that's kind of just for me, really, nobody knows that. I've never talked about this before, I don't think um and and that's and and i feel like it kind of worked good with hunting stuff you know people talk about oh i'm gonna get my bow dialed in blah 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 mm-hmm. so it kind of had a dual meaning to it
2: yeah well i mean that's what you think of right away right so but that's a cool name yeah. yeah
1: yeah no hey thanks yeah i uh definitely definitely grateful for where it's gone and stuff i i never planned on it getting to where it is uh, it was just, like I said, it was just like an outlet for me and I didn't even know anyone was reading it.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. So, so you started writing what, what outlet were you using? Was this like a blog or were you writing for a magazine or?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So Dowden Hunter, that was a blog and, and it still is, it's still active today. Um, it's not as active as it used to be. Cause I do, uh, like a, quite a bit of freelancing. Uh, that's my job now. So um sometimes dialed in hunter gets put on hold on the writing side of things um so yeah it was a blog and then from that after a couple years of doing that you know like I said I didn't think anyone was reading it but apparently people were reading it and I started getting you know an email here an email there from an editor you know of an online online publication or a magazine and hey would you would you write this would you write that and uh that's kind of how I started off in the freelancing writing world. Um and then I just kind of took it and ran with it. I write a whole bunch now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So did you have uh do you have a bit of uh of writing and back or background in writing? Like did, uh, did you go to school for that or anything?
1: No, no, completely self-taught. Um I yeah, I didn't go to school for any of that. And that was kind of funny, like I I, I was concerned about that, actually, when I first started doing this freelancing thing. And I remember, like, I emailed a, a couple close friends in, within the hunting industry. I'm like, hey, do you need to have, like, a degree in writing in order to, like, be a freelance writer? And they're like, no, not at all, man. I, I don't have that. So, um, kind of funny, but that, that's, kind of, that's kind of how the beginning started out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just all, you got good content, so that's all you need.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know, I, I think, um, I think there's a lot to be said for perspective, like, I, obviously, you need to know how to like put words together, right, and be a little bit of a wordsmith and try to be and be creative. But for the most part, like my articles, what I really try to do with them is I write how I talk you know um when somebody reads my articles i want them to feel like they're having a conversation with me not like i'm trying to talk over them at all Uh, you know what i mean um i'm i just want to be on the same wavelength as they are
2: Mm -hmm. so so now but you took that freelance writing um and you wrote a book and you know dude i i read your book and it's uh it's pretty damn good man it's uh it uh, caters a bit more to the new backpack hunter yep maybe you can tell us a bit about it
1: yeah yeah so that's yeah so what you said is catered to the new backpack hunter that's pre- that's exactly what i was going for with it um and the reason i wanted to write that is because when i started out backpack hunting there were like the information was out there but it was really hard to condense into one place and um, if someone, obviously, if somebody's really motivated, they can go find all this information in a bunch of different places. But I wanted to make like a one-stop shop for somebody, whether they didn't know even know if they wanted to backpack hunt, all the way to they're packing an animal out back to the truck. Like everything in between that, I wanted to put in one place, so someone can read this and be like, "Now I'm going to go on my first backpack hunt." Like they got everything that they need. Um, so it took me it took me like a year and a half to put the whole book together and uh yeah it's it's been it's been overwhelming i'm very very grateful for the, the response i've gotten from it um from from 18 year olds all the way for people that are 50 have have gotten a hold of me and you know kind of thanked me for writing the book and stuff like that so it's just that really gratifying man
2: yeah the name of it is becoming a backpack hunter it's uh it's you know, like I said, I read it. It's it's good stuff, absolutely. Were you nervous when it uh, when it finally got released? When did it come out initially?
1: It came out uh, last March.
2: Oh yeah, twenty twenty. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So what was what was kind of funny about that was, uh, you know, when when COVID hit, um, <laughs> there was just like this recipe of stuff that made me just hit the ground running and finish the book. Um, I was on the very edge of leaving my job. Uh, My daughter was about to be born that June. Um, You know what I mean? And I had all this content sitting. I had most of the book written. I just had to finish it. You know what I mean? Put the final touches on it. So once COVID hit and uh, basically my previous job, I, I really didn't have anything there. You know what I mean? As far as income, so I was like, "Well, just gonna go full send on freelancing and and getting this book finished." So that's what really made me finish the book. You know, and I'm like, "I'm not gonna have time once my daughter comes." So, got the book finished before she came. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and uh yeah, yeah. And and to answer your question, like, was I nervous? Yeah, dude. Like you put yourself out there like that, like with a book, like just wondering about like, oh, people are gonna rip me apart for this because. I'm pretty open in the book. And I say, like, I'm not an expert, you know, like that's not me. I'm not here to, to talk about all the cool stuff that I do. I'm here to talk to you like, and try to help guide you in the right direction because I was there. Like I, I know the stupid questions that beginners ask. Mm -hmm. so I wanted to address all that stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it turned out good. You know, we're working on another one right now.
2: Are you nice? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good, man. Like I said, it's uh, you know, it it's uh, um it definitely can be hard. You know, uh going through as a as a you know, somebody who's just starting out, wanting to get in the backcountry. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that you know, if you've been if you've done it your whole life and you had a good mentor, you you kind of take it for granted. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, myself, I had a great mentor, and uh, you know. Um, my cousin he was a a backpack hunter and he kind of took me under his wing and you know so I I kind of had that but there's a lot of people who these days especially they just don't have that so for you know for the stuff in this book it's great um, for yeah for the anybody who wants to or needs access to all that information but you know spread out over a plethora of different books and online material here you kind of get it all in and you know like you said a one-stop shop
1: yeah it's a different uh we are living in an age where the adult onset hunter is more and more common you know like where mm-hmm. like i mean long ago right hunting was normal like it was normal for kids to go hunting with their dad when i was growing up though man like i didn't i, I was the only kid that i knew that that yeah. like hunted with his dad And it wasn't until I was in sixth grade when I actually met somebody else that shared the love of hunting that I did. Um, Coincidentally, he's still my best friend. So like, um, it's just becoming less and less common for kids to get out in the outdoors and stuff. So I think, but I think what's, what's, what's interesting about all this is like, you know, you got these like adult onset hunters and it's, it's like, why, why, why do they want to do that? You yeah, know? i think it's i and i think it's because it's ingrained in the in, in us as humans
2: mm, definitely you know,
1: you it's know what our i nature. mean like yeah 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 and they're like they're even even if their parents didn't bring them up in hunting they grow up and they just have this natural urge man i i just want to go experience wild places and stuff and like you know maybe maybe bring some meat home you know and, and kind of go through that whole experience
2: Yeah. Well, and and that's a huge aspect of it too. Um, You know, we mostly wild game when I was growing up and um, these days, you know, you just don't, you know, like we still, you know, my wife, she loves chicken. So she still buys a lot of chicken and it's like, well, you you don't really know what's going on with that chicken or where it's from or the process that all went through from getting it from an egg to on your dinner table. So yeah. But I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, there's that's another aspect you know for a lot of people too i think just you know knowing where their where their meats coming from and especially in today's world with all, there's so much crap going on everywhere you just you never know
1: oh yeah no 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 recalls in my freezer <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah no, no doubt uh, yeah yeah so uh yeah your book i mean it goes through you know it goes through so much stuff it starts off with you know introduction to yourself and then it kind of goes through well you know asking the question why why do you want to backpack you know you kind of go through that which is great and then you go you get quite a bit into gear which is uh, you know for any backpack hunter i think gear is um you know myself i'm i'm a gear junkie um oh yeah i don't know about you but just always always looking for gear looking out looking to see what's new and what's improved and all this stuff so um, i
1: think it i think that's just like a natural I, i i you know what man i've never met a backpack hunter that wasn't into gear yeah you know and i think i think the reason for that is like there's just a natural progression right like we're always looking always looking to make things lighter or always looking to make things more efficient you know um because backpack hunting is hard enough as it is right you know it's like oh man I can get this I can get this new pillow and save five ounces right yeah, like, <laughs> like...
2: yeah. exactly yeah no. And it's and it's you get you get hooked up on those things though you notice like man I mean I do anyway you're like oh yeah I could get this you're like well I gotta buy a new one my last one's worked pretty good but man I'd love to try it and, yeah
0: yeah
2: <laughs> so maybe yeah, you... uh, go ahead
1: I was going to say, yeah, we never need this stuff. You know, it's, just, it's, yeah. always, like, it's always us just trying to, you know, our, our curiosity on trying to make things better.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, it drives my wife nuts. It's just like, well, need that? <laughs> no, I don't need it, but I just want to try it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So maybe we can, I mean, you got so much great stuff in the gear section of your book, but maybe, maybe we can just talk a little bit about uh, like a pack setup. Uh, maybe we can kind of just go over like you know what you're carrying for like a three-day backpack hunt you know what type of pack you're running you know what you're bringing for optics tent you know uh, tent no tent, that that kind of thing
1: sure sure yeah absolutely um so i have um i've used exo mountain gear uh, packs for quite a few years now and uh been super happy with them i feel like i've been following them ever since they started out. you know. I remember the owner carrying around 200 pounds of dog food while testing the pack out before it was on the market. Um, and I thought that was really cool. So I went through, man, first couple backpacks I had, it was just, if anyone out there, it doesn't matter if you get an XO or, or whatever, another backpack, another like high-end pack, don't skimp on a backpack. It, I'm telling you what, dude, like it matters. It really does. Um, I used to have a pack where every single time I put it, put the waist belt on my hip flexor would immediately fire up and be like burning even with, even with a day weight in it. So um, love that backpack. Use, I use a 4,800, the K3 4,800 um, for, like a sleeping system what i'm doing is that really depends like as far as like sleeping bag or quilt goes it just depends on the temperature um it for for probably 80 percent of the year i'm using a 20 degree quilt uh down quilt uh, from enlightened equipment there i believe it's their revelation is what it's called um uh, been super happy with that thing that thing's 19 ounces man uh Super ultralight efficient, you can kind of sleep a little bit more comfortable because you can sprawl out you're not like in a in a coffin in a mummy sack. <laughs> um, but when it gets a little colder i'll use uh, I actually just picked this up super super pumped on this this sleeping bag actually. Um, uh, it's from feathered friends it's a I believe it's a, the lark ul 10 is the sleeping bag that I just got. 10 degree down sleeping bag. I've been really impressed with it, man. I've had it out for past couple of months now, spring bear hunting and uh, no complaints. Obviously it's a tad bit larger on the packability front than my quilt is, but I feel like whenever you dip down the temperatures a little bit, that's just natural. Yeah. Everything's going to be a little bit bigger.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you about those quilts. I've never, I've never used one. Um, I think mostly just because the temperatures up here, it's, uh, you never, yeah. you, know, you never know, it could be, it could be nice and warm when you leave or for the first day. And then all of a sudden it could, uh it could be cold. So um yeah, I was wondering about those.
1: Yeah, for sure. They, they are, I think the number one thing to pay attention to with a quilt is, is really how to set it up. I feel like a lot of people have bad experiences with their quilt because it's not, they're not like, it's not set up right on their sleeping pad. So most quilts, they, they, they attach to your sleeping pad um, and you can really like, um, you can make them quite warm and not get a draft or anything. I think that's the number one complaint about quilts is like, oh, I get a draft because it's not completely enclosed around you like a sleeping bag is well there's there's these straps that that'll strap to your sleeping pad and you need to set up the little clips in a way that you can set these clips up to a way that this quilt actually does wrap fully around you Uh, for so when it the temperature drops a little bit more you can do that and then i've also used a liner as well to, to try to get a little more some more degrees out of the quilt um, but I think it's just super versatile, man, you know, because you can use it from like, you know, it's 50 degrees at night all the way to, you know, I've used it in the 20s, you know, um, I, the wide range of stuff when it's a little hotter, you can you like you can sleep with like one leg out of your quilt like you would at home.
2: You know? yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I find with sleeping bags like the mummy type is that if it is warm it's not very comfortable it's not you know you got to zip the thing down and then it you know it just its natural tendency is to wrap around you so yep. that's one thing i find with the uh, you know with the the mummy style sleeping bags when it is warm it's uh if it's oh, warm sure. it's not as comfortable
1: yeah yeah for sure and i mean it's a you know it's a push and pull you know what i mean you're going to you got to you, you got to deal with one of them um depending on the temperature so yeah no i've been super happy with the quilt man um, and then uh, shelter wise I what about am...
2: uh pillow you a pillow guy or no pillow
1: oh forgive me for not talking about the pillow um yes i'm a pillow guy i yeah, too. Uh, avid pillow guy uh i like i like the sea to summit eros um mm-hmm. it's, it's i think it's like two ounces it's really lightweight it's an inflatable pillow um works out great the only downside about using that pillow particularly with a quilt is the pillow tends to like move around a lot more whereas with like a sleeping bag the mummy style sleeping bag i I would put that pill that pillow inside the hood yeah and then and then it won't move around it stays right there pretty good but with the quilt man like every time you turn or like flip around and stuff like that you need to like grab the pillow put it back to where it should be yeah (laughs) <laughs> so that's the only downside. But yeah, I'm a pill. I'm a pill guy, man. Um, shelter. Uh, I am a I don't use floorless really at all here in Arizona. Um, I like a fully enclosed shelter. And I think that's kind of just because of where I live. Um, you know, we got rattlesnakes, chiggers, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all sorts of stuff, tarantulas, scorpions. bunch um, of critters you don't need cruising around in your sleeping bag yeah yeah no, i'm not a fan of that um so uh yeah i like i think my favorite shelter to at this point ever made um is the nemo hornet two-person shelter um it's a semi-freestanding tent sets up really fast it's a it's a about a two pound shelter for like stakes and everything so uh packed down super light or super small um so for the most part, that is what I have with me. Probably, I'd say probably seventy five percent of the time. If I want to go super light, um, I really, I really dig the spike from Nemo. That's the first, the Nemo first light spike. Um, that thing's only a pound, and it sets up with a tracking pole. And I've had, I've had good experiences with that thing. So. Um, and that is that is a fully enclosed shelter as well. Like there's a floor on that. So um, yeah, that that's what I'm rocking for for shelters.
2: Those hold up in the wind, like if you get some wind, they're not bad, or it's
1: it's not bad. I've had it in some pretty good some some pretty good winds up like in like windy saddles and stuff. Um, and I just guy it out, you know what I mean? Just guy it out with, with guy lines and everything. So cool. Yeah, man um uh, yeah oh, f- uh, f- okay go ahead sleeping pad did you, you yeah. want me to
2: yeah definitely yeah
1: yeah sleeping pad um i've been a one and done fella for quite a while with a sleeping pad i i use the Thermarest neoware x light nice I got the same one um yeah 12 ounces you know i mean hard to beat pack super small um the only downside about it is it's pretty noisy Um, when you like try to flip around and stuff. So if you're sleeping, if you got some buddies, like if you are in like a bigger shelter and you got some buddies in there, you might, you might, uh, you might get a boot thrown at you in the middle of the night. (laughs) So,
2: yeah, no, I got the same one at R4. It's great. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: Cool, man. How about food? What type of, what type and how much food are you bringing for like, uh, you know, a three day hunt?
1: Yeah. So, um, I need to get better about this. Actually, I like right when I started out, I would count all my calories and stuff and, you know, do that whole thing. And then I just kind of got used to what to bring, you know, and I stopped doing that. Um, And so when I was doing that, I would sit around 2,800 calories a day for for food, Um, usually do something like you know, I don't know, for breakfast, it might be like, uh, like homemade oatmeal, like rolled oats with some protein powder, raisins, uh, almond butter, that type of deal. Um, <clears throat> then like snacks, it's just kind of, and I kind of like snack throughout the whole day after that, like, uh, I don't know, trail mix jerky. Um, see, oh, love um, packaroons, Heather's Choice packaroons. Those are great. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, gummy bears. I, I don't think I don't think it's allowed to go bear hunting without gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then maybe, so maybe that's what natural. I'm
2: missing. Maybe that's what I'm missing. I, I need some I'm, gummy bears. Change you
1: you know life. what? You know what? If you would have had gummy bears yeah. that leaf, that those branches might not have been there.
2: <laughs> that's it. So i okay, pick I'm them back just... up.
1: <laughs> I'm just <sitting.
2: laughs>
1: Um and, and then so I kind of do that throughout the whole day I just kind of snack throughout the whole day on stuff like that and then for dinner I usually bring either like I, I have I I make my own stuff every now and then um, I, I probably should do more of that but it just it's really a time thing for me but I, I love man I love I make bear spaghetti and dehydrate that, that that's delicious out there Um, uh, chili is like elk chili goodness gracious it's so good out on the mountain you got like a home cooked meal out there um but for store-bought stuff I I stick to either I'm either bringing like peak refuel or Heather's Choice meals out with me um love like the mom spaghetti from Heather's Choice the salmon chowder that's another one of my favorites and then peak refuel um, home style chicken. That's a new favorite of mine from them as well as like the chicken Alfredo feel like that's a really good one too. So yeah, man, that's kind of my, that's kind of my get up for food.
2: Yeah. You talk about that in your book a bit too, the dehydrated food. And, um, you know, I'm kind of the same way, uh, for breakfast. Yeah. I love that, you know, homemade, just make it at home, throw Mm -hmm. a little bit of protein to powder in there, that, and a nice hot coffee, which I don't think I can go without.
1: Oh. forgive me. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Gotta have coffee. I gotta have like, I gotta have coffee in the morning. (laughs)
2: Some, some guys can pull it off. You know, I've been with guys who are like, you want a coffee? Like, Nope. And you're like, man, I just, I can't do that. And you know, if it's a wet and if it's a wet and gloomy day, nice cup of Joe, it's just, yeah, you can't beat it. I use the uh, just, I've gone to just instant coffee just for simplicity, but.
1: Oh yeah. It's awesome, man. You gotta have, it's just, it's more about like, i i sometimes i question if i'm drinking it to wake up or just to just to do it because yeah. i like it yeah you know i get it I, uh,
2: I get it i can't go without it like you know i used to drink a lot more than i i do now i cut back quite a bit but mm-hmm. um yeah i just every morning i just can't go without it and if i do it's just not the same it's just a shitty start to the day
1: yeah yeah no i'm I, with you I, I,
2: I better have some gummy bears in my pocket. That's for sure. If so I don't get gummy coffee.
1: bears, gummy bears and coffee and watch out bears.
2: <laughs> yeah, But anyway, back to that dehydrator. Yeah. My, I got, uh, my wife picked me up one for Christmas. So that's one thing I was going to try to do over the summer was get into, uh, packaging my own, my own meals. And you, may, you mentioned cool. that in your book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really cool, man. It's very cost effective. Obviously, you know, you got to front the money for the dehydrator and everything. But it, I mean, it pays for itself pretty quick. Um, you know, I mean, you think about like you, you make like a full crock pot of chili. Dude, you're going to get like five meals out of that or something as yeah. well as as well as dinner that night. And you're going to pay, especially if you got like, you know, you got like wild game in the freezer. You're going to pay like a whopping $12 or something for like that whole pot of chili.
2: Yeah, Where, those instant meals, yeah, they're not cheap.
1: You know? No. No, yeah, for, so for one pot of chili, you're going to buy one dinner from a store pretty much is how I look at it. 5 meals, man. I mean, it it adds up after a while. It's good stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. Hey, what's it like down in Arizona? What's it like, you know, once you get uh once you get your animal down? How is it to keep, you know, for dressing the meat, like how do you keep it cool and you know that desert heat
1: yeah so obviously like this is very like seasonal uh dependent right um you know believe it or not it does get now like i said earlier cold is different to us up here than than up where you are okay but like in our deer seasons in december and january you know it could get down into the you know most of the time it's sitting in like the 30s right around there mid 20s there's plenty of times though where it gets in the you know i've been out there and you know it's 10 degrees or even single digits on those hunts so in that on those hunts it's not too difficult to keep meat good yeah um but the the ones that you really gotta like keep you know keep after is like our august bear hunts uh september elk you know that type of stuff i mean it gets really hot man and there is no option for I've, I've done this before and, and i you know, it sucks really bad. Uh, you know, um, you, you absolutely cannot leave an animal overnight. There's no way to do it during that time of year. Um, one time we, we did that with a bear one time and got, got to it the next morning and, um, you know, it was good while we were cutting it up, but there was something weird about it. You know what I mean? It was just a little too pliable <laughs> and then got it home and it just, it smelled like a fart. You know, and it just really really unfortunate, you know what I mean? Uh, my brother lost the head of the hide on that bear because it was just oh. it was slipped in and stuff. So it's just just really unfortunate, you know what I mean? And y- mm-hmm. you know you live and you live and learn, you know, so yeah, definitely. but but typically, I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's it's not that hard. I mean, when you get something down, the clock is ticking right away. You need to get over there, get that thing taken care of off of off of the carcass, um, separate the meat from the carcass as fast as you can. Um, and as safe as you can. I should mention that because uh, I've almost cut my thumb off before. Um, and, uh, and and you'll be fine. You know, you, you get on it right away, um, you're not going to lose anything. You know, so um, it's just, it's just, it's for people that don't, they're like, they, they lack the urgency. And it, hap- it happens every single year, you know. Um, you, you need to really be on top of that, but we do have, you know, if you do need to hang meat, you know, uh, some people, uh, they're like, do you, I, I did a podcast one time and people were like, do you, is there trees there? I'm like, yeah, dude, there's trees here, you know? So we have, you know, I mean, same practice you would anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like find a, you know, shade in a tree, thick North face, you know bottoms are going to have some bottoms will have water running through them and they'll be a little bit cooler right um you just gotta just use your head you know and don't dilly dally yeah makes sense yeah
2: cool what about uh, like an inreach or a spot x you carry that out with you
1: oh yeah yeah i i started yeah so i used to uh <laughs> i'm sure a lot of guys used to do this before i had an inreach i would like leave a note on my truck yeah. like to like where I was going or whatever like that, which now I think about that and I'm like, goodness gracious. I wonder how many people got my hunting spot from doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah. As soon as you pulled out, they were pulling in right behind you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really did that. It was like more for my wife. You know what I mean? Like, cause I tell her where I was going to park. Um, and I'd leave her with like a Google maps pin of kind of the area I was thinking about hunting, but no, man, dude, an InReach is a game changer. I started using that and uh really when I started backpack hunting a lot um just because you know those areas tend to not have any service in them and uh yeah I use the Garmin uh 66i is the one that I carry with me I love that one because it links to my watch I have a Garmin watch yep yeah pretty pretty slick setup so I can I really like that because I can leave the in-reach in my backpack and I really just use my watch most of the time. If I'm like, Oh, this is a great glassing spot. Let me mark this spot or whatever. Um, And then they link up, you know, and they sync together. So that, that waypoint will automatically be put in the in-reach on the in-reach map.
2: Oh yeah. That's Um, cool, man.
1: So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's the battery
2: life like on that watch? Not too bad. The
1: watch uh, you'll get 10 days out of it. I think it's rated. I think it's rated for 13 or something like that. Um, but it really just depends. I mean, it depends on how much you use it. You know, like I don't do, I'm not doing like track backing on it or anything like that. Like the the most that I do with it is like marking waypoints. I've, I've used the compass before because I got lost. Um, and then um, also like if I'm navigating to like a glassing spot through dense brush where I just I kind of, you know, you kind of need something like that in the dark, right? To like know mm-hmm. which direction you're headed. <laughs> um, I use it for that too. But other than that, yeah, I mean it's I mean I get about 10 days out of it in the field. Yeah, cool.
2: Yeah, I use the spot X. It's um I mean, that's the only way my wife's gonna let me uh let me go out on these trips is with a spot X messenger just to check. And it's good too, I find that way it kind of, you know, if there's ever anything to happen back at home, um, and you know, you're on day two of a ten or 14 day mm-hmm. backpack trip, you know, it would be pretty devastating if you didn't find out something bad happened till uh, you know, when you had the chance to come out or a little earlier.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
2: Yeah, man. So how's this, uh, how's what you're, you're running now changed from, you know, your first backpack trip?
1: Uh, well, my first shelter was, it was seven pounds. <laughs> so, that's that's a big deal um yeah it really like the biggest change across the board is just is, is just really weight and and uh compressibility that that's that's the biggest thing also um you know you tend to when you first start out you tend to bring some stuff that you think you need but in all reality you don't like i don't know why dude for some reason i used to bring a speed loader with extra ammo for my handgun with me for like for what you know what I mean like why like what like like the zombie apocalypse is gonna happen or something like that as you start blasting things like that's not it's it's just not realistic so um yeah pared that down doing stuff like I dude I don't know like diving into um some of these like pre-made survival kits and stuff like that and kind of weeding through them and being like well what do I need what do I don't need stuff like that um like like customizing med kits, you know, putting stuff that you, that really tailors more to you, you know, like not everyone is going to need in like insect repellent in there, you know, like, I don't know. Some of that stuff comes in there. It's like, you don't really need that. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that, man. Like the more that you get out there and do it, the more that you really find out what you do and you don't need. And I think the best way to do that is just, you just make a list, you know, yeah. just make a list, like make a gear list and you know keep track of what you use and don't use and and if you go two three trips without using something and it's not something like a first aid kit chances are you you could probably leave it at the truck yeah you know um just just fact of the matter you know so
2: yeah and i think that's one thing everyone has to go through you know what i mean it's kind of you know one some stuff that's going to and some things that my body needs and what works for me is going to be a little different than what works for you even if we're doing the exact same hunt for the exact same amount of time it's just you know yep. it, everyone's kind of got to go through that trial and error process i remember the same thing at the beginning you know my m- medical kit it had it had everything in there you know what i mean tweezers and bug spray and mm-hmm. you know all this crap that you you know if if you need it you don't you don't really you know you can live mm-hmm. without it that's the thing now i mean in my med kit now i have some bacterial wipes um you know um roll of of uh, hockey tape and you know a needle and thread and and a thing of ibuprofen and and that's about it um, yeah you kind of just gotta (laughs) yeah you gotta go through that though and I think and you have to just experience it for yourself and same with clothes right when you're when you're going out on say you know a five-day trip you don't you know one set of clothes will do you you don't need to be carrying a new set of clothes every day
1: um, no, no, uh, yeah. And I remember that dude, that was the, that was a trip for me when I started out because like, that's all I knew was like, Oh, when you go hunting, you have this like giant tent that you can stand up in and a suitcase with your clothing in it, you know, and like for, you know, like three pairs of pants and you know, just all these, all this stuff that it's just not realistic. It's not yeah. practical to bring with you on a backpack hunt. And that's what really started making me uh, look more into higher end like clothing. Um, uh, Because before that, before backpack hunting, I would have never considered spending the amount of money that one spends on high end hunting yep. clothing now, you know, but like, that's what kind of what you're saying though, you know, you kind of got to experience these things and it's like, you know what? Spending X amount of dollars on that, that jacket. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's worth right? it. Oh man, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: definitely. And again, it goes back to that process. You gotta, you know, you just gotta get out there and do it. And and if it doesn't work the first time, don't get discouraged. Just you know, try something a little different. I mean, yeah, I we, I went through it lots. And I'm, I mean, remember my first ten day backpack trip was a lot different than you know like the last one. And now even on a ten day backpack trip, I'll the only thing I'll double up is my socks. Everything else, you know, I, the underwear I walk in on is the underwear I walk with right so it's, mm-hmm,
1: uh, mm-hmm.
2: yeah but it's just one of those things for sure yeah man so uh before i let you go here today josh i kind of want to just touch on training and you are going to go over this in your book um sure. and maybe we can mix in you know uh with your archery background and and experience maybe we can just mix a bit of that in there too and just you know training and practicing for the backcountry you know yeah. as as i mentioned earlier you know i misjudged my arrow path and you know, even though i I do practice that. And that's something I'm cautious of, you know, it does happen, but so, you know, when, when, uh, when you're trying to simulate when you're training and trying to simulate, um, you know, an actual hunt situation, what are the, some of the ways you train, um, you know, for like a backpack hunt? Are
1: you, are you referring to shooting or are you referring to like physical fitness?
2: You know, both maybe, you know, like, are you, when you train Are you do you have a backpack on or you put weight in there? Are you like, you're doing cardio that way or yeah. are you just strictly in the gym. And then when you're also, when you're, when you're shooting your bow, are you, are you practicing, you know, um, are you doing any, you know, running 10 yards, getting up, down, or crouching, yeah. you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing.
1: Gotcha. 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 Yeah. So, um, as far as like, you know, the physical fitness side of thing, I really intertwine these two things because I think that is just more realistic to the field. You, you're not going to be, you're not going to like, get gassed and then all of a sudden not be gassed when it's time to shoot your bow, like at an animal. So you, so you really, I think you need to do these two things in tandem. So in a nutshell, what I do, I'll go into a little bit more training after this, but like, what I do is like, I'll do my workout. And then my routine is when I'm done with my workout, I grab my bow and I go out and I shoot because you're, you're shooting under, under stress, under physical stress, which is exactly, it's not exactly, but you're getting there. It's, it's similar to what you're going to experience in the field. Okay. Like shooting with weak muscles and stuff. That's, I feel like that's normal, man. Like that's, that's how it's going to be when you, when it's on your hunt, you're going to have weak muscles, your brain is going to be scrambled and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be shaking like a leaf a lot of times. So I think that's the best way to to simulate that. As far as like what I do for physical training, um, a lot of, uh, Goodness, we might might get might get a little flack for this. Okay, so a lot a lot of of hoopla gets put on like you know bench pressing and and curling and all this stuff. Uh, I'm just get that's not going to help you. Like I I like it's it's I think backpack hunting you need to train with purpose, and while doing like those sexy workouts if you would is fun it's not that practical for backpack hunting specifically so what i like to do for backpack hunting is i try to i focus on core my core strength legs and my back like those that is that right there is like the chain i feel like that's going to help you the most with backpack hunting like all the things that are involved with that like your core i feel like is going to help you with stability Particularly with heavy loads, okay. Yeah, I I mean, there's been many times where you're, you know, I'm like side hilling, and maybe I slip or something. And the thing that's going to save you is a, like one of the biggest things going to save you is your core. Is going to keep you upright, okay. Like your legs. A lot of this stuff is steep. You know what I mean. Like doing stuff like getting on the stairmaster with a weighted pack is very similar to hunting steep country throw 50 pounds in your backpack or whatever, and just go on that Stairmaster for, for 20 minutes or something. Right. And build your endurance. And that right there, I think, I feel like the word endurance is like the key word to focus on with, with like your training for backpack hunting being like strength is important. It is, but I think endurance is more important because endurance is going to keep you going when you don't want to go. And and that to and for me that's backpack hunting. Mm-hmm. You're 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 gonna be exhausted, right? So and so I have a friend ready. I got a friend where he he focuses most of his training on strength. This is a dude. This dude's super strong. He's in great shape. Okay, um, and, and he's good at what he does. We we just got back from bear hunt. Okay, a couple weeks ago, we spot a bear three ridges over. Okay. And me, I'm like, well, we, we got to go. You know what I mean? So like, you know, we grab our packs and we start bombing down the hill by the first hill, you know, 1st like, we go down, we come up by that first time we get up this dude. I mean, he sounded like he was going to die and we had <laughs> like another two ridges to go. You know what I mean? So, and he, he was so like, he felt so bad. And like, when he got back from that, we got this bear packed out. We, so we spotted the bear at eight in the morning got the bear killed at 10 30 and we got back to the truck at 5 30. Okay. By the time he got back, he was telling me, he was like, dude, I'm going to completely flip around how I train for these hunts because, because he, he wasn't lacking anything in strength. He was lacking endurance. He just didn't have the, he didn't have the gas to keep going. You know what I mean? So that, that to me is one of the most important things. And for me, I don't go crazy with like, um, uh, like, uh, with lifting weights or anything, I think like a couple great things to have is like a kettlebell. You can do a whole lot with a kettlebell, um, goblet squats and stuff like that. Uh, and then, but largely what I do is like box jumps, pull-ups and pull-ups are for your back muscles for your bow. I do that a lot. Um, cause you're working your rhomboid when you do that uh same thing with rows like if you do rows with like a kettlebell you're working that muscle where you pull your bow back with that you're um so and then um also i do a lot of bike like i go on a bike a lot and i do like um i'll do like an interval set of like like for 30 minutes straight, I'll go super hard for one minute and then moderate pace for five minutes, super hard for one minute, moderate pace for five minutes. And I do that for 30 minutes straight. And you will feel, you will feel like a newborn fawn after you do that.
2: <laughs> but that's good to uh-huh. simulate that kind of, cause I mean, in the backcountry, you're going hard and then, you know, you could plateau and then you're up again and then, uh, yep. you know, you can plateau again, or you're going hard and then it's time to stop and, and watch or wait. So,
1: yeah. And then, and then, um, For like, when I actually pick the bow up, what I do a lot of times is, um, you know, you're already under physical stress a bit. So I like to shoot one arrow with a broadhead because that's all you get,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like when you're in the field, you don't get five chances to shoot an animal. So I think by having, by limiting yourself to that one arrow, at least just for when you're done working out, right? I think that simulates being in the field really good because you're, 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 you're gassed, you're weak. You need to really focus and make that shot count, the first shot, with a broadhead, not with a field point, do it with a broadhead because on that, I th- feel like it's just mental at that point. Like, I feel like if you know your broadhead is going to go right where you want it to go, you're just gonna feel that much more confident in the field, and, and in my opinion, confidence kills.
2: Yeah, definitely. I was just gonna say um, that. And confidence is everything, especially with archery.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. But um, aside from the physical side of things, uh, a few games that I like to play, I like play some games with my bow. Um, I'll do like uh, so. I do this. I do this game. I call the rule of three. So I start at my top pin which is 30 yards. And I got to put three arrows into a kill zone area. Okay. If I do that successfully, I move back to 40 mm-hmm. and I got to do the same thing. And I do that all the way out to my, my bottom pin, which is 70. If at any point during that time, I don't I, like one arrow is outside of the kill zone. I get 10 penalty yards and I have to go move back up. Gotcha. Cool. this is more this is more of an exercise for consistency right because I feel like most guys that shoot their bow regularly they can start at 60 or start at 70 start at 50 whatever it is and put it in the kill zone on first shot yeah but can you do it over and over again? Yeah you know and I feel like that right there when you're doing that over and over again now you now you're you're simulating being gassed shooting again yeah because you're gonna get tired. So I think I think that's a great exercise.
2: Yeah, that is that's cool. I'll try that. I uh, I do a lot of I'll just I have the same thing: thirty pin, seventy pin. Um yep. So I'll just uh, start at the target, walk, turn around, yardage, shoot, walk further, turn around, yardage, shoot. You know, yep. then I'll move in, yardage, shoot, maybe one knee, walk back,
1: and you know that's just to break it up too a bit. And yeah. Just to get that I, extra I, I I think that's important. What you just said too. You said one knee like that. I think it's, I think it's valuable to do things like, uh, you know, like stand on uneven terrain or something like that when you shoot your bow, like, like on purpose, like stand on top of a rock or something, or like put a rock, put like a rock underneath your foot, like a bigger rock that makes your foot not sit flat on the ground. Cause that's how it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know there's lots of cool things you can do. And I even, you know, I'll take a milk crate and put a two by eight up on it and sit down. Like, so it's, you know, I'm standing one foot higher than the other. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the opposite way, um, you know, side to side, do things like that just to, cause yeah, you're not, you're never sitting like, you're never flat footed with all the time in the world when you're in the, when you're in the back country, that's for sure.
1: No, no, you're not.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, man. You know, I think I'm going to be bugging you to get you back on the show. Uh, you know, I got tons of stuff, with, uh, I'd love to ask you and love to pick your brain on, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, where can, uh, where can people find and follow dialed in hunter
1: yeah man i appreciate appreciate you uh, having me on great great conversation um if anybody wants to keep uh get a hold of me for whatever you just want to chat um instagram i'm on all the social platforms instagram facebook twitter just search dialed in hunter um you can um go to my website i have dialedinhunter.com and if you want to check out that book that um you were mentioning go just go to amazon and search becoming a backpack hunter josh Kirshner and it'll pop up well i'm gonna
2: have uh links and then i got uh i'll have a section uh, on the webpage where, you know, folks can just click on it and it'll take it right to the Amazon page. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Canadians can pick that up and anybody else down in the States, they can, uh, had had a chance to read it. They can pick it up a well. Tons of great information. You know, I've been hunting a long time and, uh, I read it and I really enjoyed it. There's lots of stuff, even if, you know, it's funny, a lot of these things that you go through, you don't think of why you do them or, or, you know, how yep. you do them. And it's funny, just when you read it, you're like, Oh yeah, that, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I know I do it, but you know this is the reason why. It's just you know, as you do it for a while, it becomes second nature, and which is why it's important for people, you know, not to get discouraged. You know, just something that doesn't work, don't give up. Just adjust something uh, and then try it again.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly what I was going for with it.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Okay, man. Thanks a bunch. Uh, We'll be in touch.
1: All right. Thanks, buddy. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island.